What's up, gamers, and welcome to Lost at Sea Gaming. I am Hulking Yoda, the captain of this ship, the SS Gamer. And you have just entered my captain's quarters, my weekly gaming update show where I speak to my favorite news topic of the past week, discuss what games I've been playing, give tips on some of those games, as well as issue a weekly relevant gaming-related decree. This past week, we heard about a brand new project coming from IO Interactive. So let's dive right into the episode and see what that game was. Gamers, if you're unaware of who IO Interactive are, they are the developer and publisher of the Hitman franchise. Obviously, they have been around for quite a while, and as far as I'm aware, they have pretty much solely only ever worked on the Hitman franchise, which I would just say that I am a huge fan of that series. I absolutely love it, and in some way, shape, or form, I have played that series on every console generation since the PS2 Xbox era. I uh, just about loved every game I've played in it, and Age of 47 is a great gaming icon, in my opinion. So it was very exciting when IO Interactive said they were going to release a little teaser of what their next project was going to be. And I got to tell you, I would never have imagined what it ended up being. And that project ended up being Project 007. That's right, James Bond himself, the MI6 ghost espionage spy that we've known and loved for the better part of more than half a, half a century at this point. Uh, 007, I got to tell you, is, is a huge deal for me. Uh, I, I've been a huge fan of James Bond games ever since GoldenEye, just like every, every one of us, as far as from a gaming standpoint. I always loved James Bond and the movies, but from a gaming standpoint, GoldenEye was really the start, I think, for, for most of us. Uh, really falling in love with James Bond and what he could be in gaming. Now, I will say that my favorite uh, during that era, the 64 and original PlayStation era, my favorite James Bond game, though, was not GoldenEye. And some of you are probably like, <gasps> what? But it wasn't. It was actually Tomorrow Never Dies, the adaptation of that movie. And I played it on the original PlayStation. And guys, I love that game. I got to tell you, I absolutely loved it. It was a single-player-focused, third-person perspective action-adventure stealth game, and I loved it. It came out at the perfect time for me because that was during the same time frame I was really losing my soul to Metal Gear Solid and Siphon Filter and all these other great stealth espionage-style games, and it just fit right in there. Uh, it was just great. Uh, the, the one memorable sequence that really stands out to me all these years later, for some reason, there is a mission where you're skiing on a ski slope, and it's you know mimicking, obviously, the scene from the movie, but it was just something about that scene that really stuck out to me. You know, you're shooting enemies as you're going down the slope. And I mean, you got to think, this is, I mean, 20 plus years ago. So young teenage me uh, is sitting there experiencing this kind of a game uh, for the first time. And it was just, it was a lot of fun. Uh, and then you kind of go through the uh, end of that era and into the Xbox PS2 era. And we got what I thought, in my opinion, was probably the best James Bond game. Not on so many levels, guys. Uh, it, it was everything or nothing. It was an original game that was Pierce Brosnan's Bond again, and it was excellent. Uh, third person, great story, uh, just really well done. Loved, loved, loved that game. And there's been a couple of games based in the Daniel Craig franchise since then. Uh, Bloodstone was one. Quantum of Solace was an adaptation of the movie. But none of them, in my opinion, really brought me back to everything or nothing or Tomorrow Never Dies or even Goldeneye. 
So to hear IO Interactive, who are well known for doing Hitman and the style of gameplay that Hitman is, I am extremely excited to see what they do with James Bond. Now, the description that IO gave for this uh, game is a wholly original Bond story where players are basically going to earn their 00 status. It's an origin story for James Bond. It's an original story. It's never been told this way before. Now, I know what you're thinking. Yes, Casino Royale, from a film standpoint, kind of showed us that uh, from that perspective. But in this game, it's its own specific timeline and not really adhering to anything within the movies or the books. From what I understand, it's it's IO's story. So it's definitely in development. Active development, actually, is the words they used for consoles and PC. And it's using the Glacier engine that IO's... They're known for that proprietary engine. That's what runs the Hitman games. And we don't have any idea of what kind of a game that Project 007 will be. But, as I stated, given the kind of gameplay that they're known for with the Hitman franchise, I would expect and assume that it's going to be a third-person, stealth-based uh, action thrown in there kind of a game. Now, I will say, I have a few ideas and things that I would love to see in this new game that I want to share with you guys here real quick. So I love the fact that I hope it's a brand new Bond character. Uh, you know, that's from what I understand what we're getting, but that's my hope is that they stick to that. that. They're not using Daniel Craig or any other previous Bond and making them look younger and all that. I want a brand new Bond made exclusively for this game. I am looking for a more linear mission structure style gameplay. I don't want like an open world. You know, everything nowadays I feel like for years has felt they have to go open world or hub world. I don't want that in this kind of a game. I really would love to have a more linear based mission structure. Say you have this world map that you go to in between missions and you can travel around the world as does Bond in every movie and every story that he's ever been in. But say there are hubs in these different continents that you travel to and those hubs are separated by missions. And say each mission, say they have specific challenges that if you want to go back and replay those missions and try to get those challenges and uh, beat your score or friend's score or however they work it out, I think that would be kind of cool. Say if you didn't get them on your initial playthrough. And I feel that I'm really thinking of Hitman 2016 here, listeners, and that each mission or area is kind of like its own little mini hub world where it's big enough to where it feels massive, but it's really not once you get that area and that layout memorized. But I think that that would work perfect in the realm of James Bond and within the gameplay style that would best fit James Bond. Uh, obviously, stealth, I think, would be huge. Uh, I think that what I'm really looking for here and think would be great is if they used kind of an old-school Assassin's Creed-style approach. And what I mean by that is, you remember in the first couple of Assassin's Creed games, you actually had to blend in with the crowd and sit on the bench and listen and overhear people talk about information that you needed and use that information to take out targets silently or progress in your investigation of whatever it is you're trying to, to do in that mission or that at that point in the game. I think that would be great. Uh, say you're going to this gala or party as James Bond, you're in your tux as usual, and you're sitting there going around and you're having to intermingle with the crowd and talk with people and uh, just all these kinds of different options and, and ideas are going through my head, guys. And uh, obviously, it's not just strictly a stealth-based game. I think that you need to have some very good gunplay uh, and tight controls at, at certain segments in the game. Certain points, yes. You're going to have to 
uh, liven it up a little bit. And, you know, James Bond is not, uh, you know, does not shy away from a firefight. So I think having those action set piece moments would definitely be uh, a requirement as well. Uh, I think that vehicular segments, you have to have that. James Bond, every movie, his Aston Martin, I mean, it's just, it kind of goes hand in hand. James Bond, cars, car chases, uh, cool gadgets within the cars. I mean, it all goes hand in hand and it's perfect and sets itself, itself up greatly to be in the video game realm of things. So I think that, you know, those hub worlds and those cities that you travel to throughout the world, maybe a couple of them here or there, you have different chases through those city streets. Uh, maybe once you get to certain points in certain continents, like say uh, you have an open world style area, like a desert or the Arctic uh, for bigger opportunities of like mass destruction or using different gadgets like missiles and things of that nature with your vehicle, whatever it may be. Um, so it's not just confined to inner city streets and car chases. You can do a little bit more in those more open areas. Uh, I think that would be great as well. And of course, you have to have a great villain. And I want it to be, though, a brand new villain. I don't want to have someone that's already been in the lore and books or movies or previous games. I want them to create a brand new villain, and it's got to be a memorable one. And, you know, I'm thinking along the lines of, say, Alec Travelin from GoldenEye. Uh, and if you haven't seen the movie... Basically, think of somebody or a villain that has a real, a, a more personal reason for doing what they're doing uh, within the game world and within the setting of the story. I like those kinds of villains, the ones that have personal vendettas or uh, personal reasons why you kind of feel for them. It's like, wow, you know, that was kind of messed up. I can kind of see why that action or inaction uh, led them to the point where they are as this villain. So I think that would be a huge uh, requirement, in my opinion, you got to have a great villain. So those are my ideas and my thoughts of what I think would make a great Project 007 game. But IO obviously is the ones holding the keys to the castle here, so I cannot wait personally to see what they do with it, and uh, I'm very excited to see any and all information as it comes to us. And you best believe I will share it with you guys as it comes out right here on Captain's Quarters. So that's my news catch of the week. Now let's go check out and see what games I've been playing in my captain's log. Gamers, this past week, it has been all about next-gen for me. PlayStation 5, Xbox Series X, that's where I've been playing. And I got a lot of games to go over with you guys. I will say, if you wanted some more detailed opinions from a technical standpoint, as well as some other thoughts and opinions I may not express here, definitely check out my episodes where I go into a deep dive of my unboxing and my thoughts initially on both consoles uh, as they are available on Anchor and other platforms now. But for this episode, uh, I'll start with Demon Souls is the first game I'm going to cover that I've been playing this past week. And I'll just come out and say, guys, I absolutely love this game. I mean, I absolutely love it. And the reason why I say that, uh, I'm just going to come out and say it. It was a huge shock to me, the fact that I loved it and love it as much as I do. Uh, going into it, I didn't really know much about Demon Souls per se, outside of all of the, oh man, it's you know one of the hardest games and it's difficult. And I knew obviously it was, you know, part of the the Souls franchise, so to speak. You have Dark Souls one, two, and three, and I did dabble in Dark Souls one, but I never really gave a fair shot, in my opinion, to any of those games. Uh, I did dabble in Bloodborne. I enjoyed what I played of it, but again, I don't feel like I gave it enough time. So going into the launch of the PS5 and the fact that it was a, a PS5 exclusive, 
I was like, you know what, man? It is a remake, but it's a complete remake from the ground up. So I'm going to give this game a shot. I never played it on PS3. Looks cool. Let me try it out. And I'm so glad I did. Uh, you know, first off, let me just say any kind of intimidation that I had about the difficulty and the grinding and all these different things went out the door pretty quickly. Uh, I, I quickly realized that this was not as bad as what I thought it was. And as some people may have hyped it up to be, in my opinion, yes, you do have moments in there where you have to grind or you have to farm for items and different, uh, souls so that you can upgrade your weapons and armor and things like that to advance but it's not as bad as as what i thought that it was going into the game i just absolutely love the way that the structure is set up within the gameplay and the fact that this game if you didn't know is set up to where there is a place called the nexus and you go to this nexus and what it is is you have access after a certain point in the main story to six different stages or worlds and you can choose to go to any of these places at any given time. And each world has a, a different amount of stages within it. So say if you go to the first world, it's one, stage 1-1, one, one, stage 1-2, so on and so forth. And I love that structure. You're not limited to, oh, you have to progress down this certain path. No, say you're going through 1-1 one, one or 1-2 one, and you're having trouble. You know what, man? All right, I'm going to back off on this. And I'm going to go to World 2-1 and try it out and see what it's like and see if I can progress, get a little bit stronger, come back to 1-2 and maybe not have as much of a problem. And I love that structure and that's worked out greatly for me. I've actually vanquished two of the bosses and the demons so far and it's a lot of fun when you finally get to a point where you're strong enough and you're taking these bosses on and they're not really giving you too much trouble. So I definitely thoroughly enjoyed that. Uh, and since I've last played it, one thing, it's one of those games where, I don't know if you gamers have ever been here in this moment, I'm sure you have, but where you're, say, at an idle moment at work, or just kind of idle moments throughout the day, and just kind of pops in your head, and you're like, you know what, I, I, when I go back to Demon Souls, I think that this is what I want to do. I want to go to World 4-2 to fight this certain enemy so I can get an item that's going to put magic on my weapon, that'll make me better able to take damage more quickly off of this boss I was stuck on, so on and so forth. It's one of those games where I'm constantly outside of it planning and thinking of what my next move is going to be for it, and I absolutely love that about it. Uh, it's just a lot of fun. plays great on the PS5. DualSense controller, the functionalities of it, the uh, haptic feedback, everything, the way they got it worked in there is just excellent, and I just absolutely love the game. Highly recommend it to you guys if you like action RPGs. Uh, even if you played the original game on the PS3, it's a, it's a remake from the ground up. So it looks great, looks better, plays better. So I uh, definitely highly recommend that. Uh, the other game I played this past week was Bright Memory. And it's more of, I would say, a prologue to the base game, which is Bright Memory Infinite. And if you did not know, it was a game that was first showed off and announced at the Xbox Showcase event in May. And uh, it was... Honestly, one of the better looking games, if not the best looking game coming out of that event, uh, Linking Sponge from Gaming of Mr. C and myself were very excited to see uh, this game and see what it was going to be all about. And when they announced that Bright Memory, just Bright Memory, was going to come out at the low, low price of $8 and allow us kind of a glimpse into what the gameplay was going to be like and what we could kind of expect, I, we were super stoked. So the bottom line is, I played the game for three hours. I completed it in three hours, three times. Uh, and I know you're like, wait, what? Three times, three hours. Yeah, it only took me about an hour each time. Thousand gamer score, 12 achievements, uh, beautiful experience, beautiful time. 
Uh, the gameplay is just great, guys. It's, it's very much a first-person perspective. Uh, melee combat with a light sword as well as gunplay interspersed. And you kind of utilize these two with different skills like freezing time and uh, doing kind of a ground pound move to knock people up into the air. And then you kind of juggle them with your light sword or your gun. Really, really cool stuff. Story-wise, they don't really give you an explanation uh, too much as to what's going on. It kind of drops you in the middle of what's already happening is the way it seems. But you play as Sheila, who's the main character in the game and going to be in Bright Memory Infinite, obviously. And uh, she's basically trying to stop this teleporter uh, from functioning. And there's this, of course, evil corporation of uh, guys that are trying to get in there. And she's trying to stop them and stop them from abusing it and ends up getting teleported herself to what she claims to be the, uh, the famed hidden floating islands of the North Pole. And I got to tell you, it did not look like the North Pole to me. Uh, it was green foliage and waterfalls, and it was not the North Pole that I've come to know uh, in, in, in my years past. And uh, either way, it looked great visually. Uh, the game was definitely very, very nice looking graphically. Uh, the character faces were kind of questionable, but overall, everything else, the detail on the character models... Uh, as far as the armor and then just the environments themselves, the water, everything looked really, really good. And the gun, uh, gunplay and the sword play and everything, it was just really, really smooth. Thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed my time with it and cannot wait until January 21st when Bright Memory Infinite releases and we get to see the full experience of this game. Now, next up, I played NBA 2K21, and you guys know, if you listened to me before, I love the NBA franchise, love the NBA, and uh, obviously, with this new next-gen experience, I couldn't wait to try it out. I will say, graphically, it doesn't really seem that much different for me uh, from a current-gen to next-gen perspective, uh, but I will say, the story and the My Career mode, which is what I'm playing right now, is absolutely fantastic. Uh, the story is just great. The characters within the story, I don't want to say anything because I don't really want to spoil it for you guys that may decide to check it out, but just know that the story in this My Career Mode is just really, really, really well done and really well written and cool, and I thoroughly enjoyed seeing how things pan out uh, with different characters throughout the story. And I've gotten to the point where my player from uh, the My Career Mode was just drafted by the 76ers, thankfully again, and I've played my first three main season games. Uh, and definitely have enjoyed it so far. Been a great experience. And the final game that I played this past week was Assassin's Creed Valhalla. And I love the Assassin's Creed franchise. I was very excited to see this game and get into this game. Uh, Demon Souls slowed me down a little bit from getting into it initially as much as I had wanted to. But I finally put some time into it in the last few days. I will say right out the gate, I was kind of surprised graphically. Because while it looks very good, I do feel that... It's not necessarily impressive. Uh, you know, there's been some moments where I'm like, oh, this looks pretty good. But overall, I've been kind of underwhelmed with it. Now, I will say that Linking Sponge from Gaming of Mr. Seal on YouTube again, as well as Logan Phoenix from The Graveyard Gamer here on Anchor, they both told me that, hey, once you get out of that first area that's really all like snow and ice, and you, got, <laughs> you start to see like the sun and, you know, bright green foliage and things like that, trust me, it, it changes. It, it definitely opens up and, and visually it looks better. Uh, I will say that Linking Sponge said that it's still not, in his opinion, as good or definitely not better than Odyssey's visuals were, but we'll see. Uh, I will say, though, outside of graphics, a lot of gameplay things here that I wanted to discuss real quick and touch on with Valhalla. 
the combat I was very disappointed with at first. Uh, I did not like it at first. And maybe it was coming off of the tight combat of Demon Souls and the way that that was implemented from a gameplay standpoint. It's very tight and very precise and good and just solid. And then going into Valhalla, it felt very floaty and loose. Like when you're locked onto a target and you're pressing X to dodge, I felt like my guy Eivor was on a treadmill going back and forth to the left and right dodging people. That's how floaty he looked. Uh, and just in general, some of the attacks and the hits didn't feel impactful. Now, I will say that as I have played more, and that was in my first hour. Now, I've played about six hours. And as I've gotten more tuned to the combat and more understanding and used to it, it's actually pretty good. Uh, it definitely is visceral. And uh, I love the stun moves. And it's a lot of fun to watch and see the different animations that they have for those moves. So combat has gotten better for me. I will say healing is an interesting uh, thing in this game. You basically harvest cloud berries uh, throughout the bushes that are spread throughout the world so far, where I'm at at least. And if you uh, need health right then, it'll automatically fill your health. Uh, but you also have a satchel to where you can uh, fill rations and build up at least one or two rations, depending on, you know, obviously more as you go along and you upgrade the satchel. But uh, I thought it was very interesting because there's also pots that are food that are cooking on top of a fire pit or whatnot that as you're walking by, you can eat that food. It'll also heal you. So that was pretty interesting healing system, something different from Assassin's Creed as far as that's concerned. Uh, one thing that really stood out to me were the world events, which are essentially side quests in this game. And they're just different people randomly that you meet as you're walking through and exploring and walking in the village or even on the random shoreline, see a person and you talk to them and you get a little story and a quest and you can act on it right then and there. It's very quick, usually and brief, but it actually is still impactful to an extent as well. Um, I won't go into details of what some of these are because I don't want to spoil anything for you per se, but I will say that the world events, I definitely like the system that Ubisoft has put into place here for their side quest, essentially. Uh, as far as different mini games that I've come across so far, the drinking game was a lot of fun. Um, I will say that was, uh, that was a lot of fun. Um, just make sure that you're keeping an eye out for the left uh, analog or the analog stick to move left or right. So you're not screwing yourself uh, there in the end of it, but I definitely enjoyed the drinking game. Uh, flighting was awesome. It was basically what, if you had listened uh, or read any kind of previews leading up to the game, they had said there's Viking rap battles. This is essentially what that is. Uh, it was really cool. I mean, the person that you're flighting with, they say a phrase, and it's a derogatory phrase towards you. You have to say a derogatory phrase back to them and kind of rhyme it with what they said. And you have a timed moment of selection of three different options to choose from. And uh, I, I've only done one so far that I've come across, and I was successful with it. So I don't know what happens if you're not successful, but it was really cool and unique. And the biggest minigame, in my opinion, was Allreg, which is a dice game that was very, very cool to play. I feel like it's going to be this game's Gwent for me. Uh, you know, The Witcher, I spent I don't even know how many hours playing Gwent and loved that game. So I feel like this may, in turn, become my Gwent of Valhalla. But I did play one uh, opponent and defeated her. Had a lot of fun with it. Uh, a lot of details there, so I don't want to take up too much time going into the details of that game. But just know that it was a lot of fun to play. Uh, I do like how the map is set up right now. With As you complete areas, it'll actually put a little black X over it, as in it's completed. You've done everything in that area, so that was cool. 
I will say I don't necessarily like not having a, a hidden blade or a dagger or something to do stealth assassinations at the beginning of the game, though. I will say that. Uh, but, beings that as it may, uh, I am living by the bow, is what I am saying right now. And uh, <laughs> as I'm going through, that is that is all I'm really doing, unless I get caught by a, a guard or someone, is just taking everybody out with bow and arrow headshots. So, definitely interesting. Uh, bow and arrow feels real good as well. Thoroughly enjoying my time with the game, uh, a lot more so than I was when I first uh, was playing it. So definitely am appreciative of that. So that's the few games that I've been playing this past week. Lots of stuff to cover in them, lots of great stuff going on there. And so since I was back on the PS5, I do have some trophy progress to share with you guys. And if you haven't listened to the episode uh, in recent weeks to know what that is, let's go check it out and see where I'm at, and I'll tell you. Gamers, for those of you that may not know, my trophy progress segment is essentially me working towards my trophy level goal of 180 as a trophy level. And when I last left you guys of my trophy level, I was at a trophy level 165, 50%, and 513 trophies earned. So since then, between Demon Souls and Spider-Man Miles Morales, I have increased that to a trophy level of 167 522 trophies. So I got two level increases over nine trophies between those two games and uh, definitely thoroughly enjoyed my playtime and all that I had to do to get to that point. So between those two games, I definitely feel that it's not a question. I'll break into the 170s. Uh, It's just going to be interesting to see what actually gets me to that 180 trophy level. So that was my trophy progress. Let's check in on my gamer score quest and see how I'm doing in that with this last week's playtime on the Series X. Gamers, when I last left you with my gamer score quest, I was at a gamer score of 280,040, and I was shooting for a goal, and still am, of 290,000 by January 1st of 2021. So since then, with all this Xbox Series X gaming going on, I have now increased to a 281,160 gamer score. And that's an increase of 1,120 gamer score over 17 achievements. Now, we'll say, uh, and that was over these three games that I mentioned, Bright Memory, NBA 2K21, and Assassin's Creed Valhalla. I will just put it out there, Bright Memory, as I stated, was 1,000 gamer score, and it was very quickly achieved. So... Uh, That's where 1,000 out of that 1,120 come from. But regardless, that is where I am currently at, 281,160 on my way to 290 by January 1st. So that's my gamer score quest and trophy progress. Let's go check and see what kind of buried treasure gaming tips I have for you in Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Gamers, every week I try to give you guys a special tip in whatever game it is that I am playing. This week... It's not the first time this has happened. This is actually a gaming tip that was given to me from my wife in Assassin's Creed Valhalla, and it's a very important one. I haven't seen anything online about this yet, but I wanted to make sure to put it out there to any listeners that may be hearing this so that you are aware. If you're playing the game on the Xbox Series X, my wife encountered an issue where she went to reload a save and boot up her game. And the save file at the top said, file corrupted. So that was a terrifying thing to see, obviously. Any gamer, we can relate to that. So she went to the next one down. So she loaded it up, 
Well, when she went to go load it up and save again, it saved as file corrupted and overwrote the previous save. So every time she was going to save, it was saving as file corrupted. So she was about to lose hours of gameplay. At this point, uh, she booted out to the dashboard, reloaded the game from the dashboard, still did the same thing. So instead of going through too many of these moments, she said, you know what, screw it. I'm just going to reboot the whole console. So she did a soft reboot of the console and uh, that worked. So if you do happen to see Assassin's Creed Valhalla on the load screen, file corrupted, just immediately go ahead and do a soft reboot to the console. If you don't know what I mean by soft reboot, just hold down the power button for a few seconds and it'll automatically clear the cache and reboot the console and you're good to go. So definitely keep an eye on those save files because I don't know about you gamers, but I would be extremely, extremely crushed and uh, quite honestly pissed if I ended up losing hours of gameplay to uh, a data file being corrupted. So that's my buried treasure gaming tip for you this week. Let's go check in and see what my captain's decree is. Gamers, with the announcement this past week of Project 007, it got me thinking. You know, with my love of James Bond and the games and the films, there's also another movie franchise that had a game back in the 90s that was something I really enjoyed and loved and look back on very fondly that I feel now is the right time for another one of those, a brand new iteration of that series and franchise. And that is the Mission Impossible franchise. I think that we should have a new Mission Impossible game on the way. Now, as I mentioned, there is a Mission Impossible game. A lot of you gamers may remember it. Some of you may have no idea what I'm talking about. It initially released on the Nintendo 64 in July of 98, but I played it on the PlayStation when it came out in November of 1999. Now, this game was loosely based on the film starring Tom Cruise, the first film, and it was a third-person action-adventure game, and it was very much like the Tomorrow Never Dies or Everything or Nothing James Bond games that I was talking about. Very much stealth espionage, action moments. You could use the facial scans like you in the movie see where they put on different masks of people's faces and can move around. That was really cool. It was just a really cool game. I remember me and Lincoln Sponge just absolutely loving this game back in the day. And this new take on Mission Impossible as a game, this is how I envision it. This is what I think they should do. I envision it as more of an Uncharted style of gameplay. You have your elements of stealth and espionage, of course, just like in Bond. You have them sprinkled in throughout the game when you need them. I also think that it should follow a linear mission-based structure, uh, just like this new James Bond, I think, should. Now, I think it should be a brand new story, not based on any movies or anything like that. A brand new story and the character of Ethan Hunt in his early days when he's just starting out. And, you know, I wouldn't be mad if it was Tom Cruise uh, as far as the likeness. Uh, I like Tom Cruise as Ethan Hunt, so I'd be okay with it still being a, a young Tom Cruise. Uh, if they pick somebody completely different, I'm fine with that as well. So imagine this game is going to have huge set pieces in the vein that Uncharted does. You know those set pieces like in Uncharted 2 where you're climbing up the train as it's falling down the mountain and uh, Uncharted 4 with the big pirate ships and different things. Like all these different set piece moments, the Jeep dragging you around through the mud and everything. Just those kinds of set piece moments I think are perfect for Mission Impossible the way these most recent movies have been. So think about it. I mean, imagine playing the sequence in Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol, where Tom Cruise is hanging off the side of the building that he's scaling in Dubai, the world's tallest building, right? Or he's hanging off the side of a helicopter in the most recent 
Mission Impossible film, just as a gameplay standpoint, how awesome would that be to control that? And I just think that it would be perfectly done if it was done like those Uncharted set piece moments, very cinematic and very tight gameplay and control wise. I think the basic gameplay could also uh, mimic Uncharted in the sense that from a stealth standpoint, think about Uncharted 4's flashback sequence with Nate's brother and, and himself, Nate. Uh, just the different stealth moments that you have to go through in these different games as well. I think it would just, it just lends itself perfectly to this kind of a game. And I think that it could have a also big focus on parkour. Think about the original Assassin's Creed titles, and they're more focused on parkour than they are nowadays. But think about it. I mean, in the movies, we see Tom Cruise doing par- parkour and hopping from rooftop to rooftop. So why not have moments like that in the game? I think that would be actually really, really cool. The hand-to-hand combat has to be amazing. It has to be really, really visceral and hit hard, just like they do in the movie when they have those sequences of hand-to-hand combat. I think that would be great. Uh, And of course, you know, they have the vehicular moments, chases in the city, and maybe even if you're piloting a helicopter like Tom Cruise does in the movies. Bottom line is, guys, there's a lot of really cool stuff that could be done here for a brand new, revitalized, full-on Mission Impossible game, next-gen I think it would be absolutely awesome. I would definitely, definitely be down for it. So that's my captain's decree this week. We need a new Mission Impossible game now. And that is a mission that I choose to accept. That'll do it for this week's episode. I hope you've enjoyed your time aboard the SS Gamer. You can join its crew by reaching out to me over Xbox Live and PlayStation Network by searching for Hulking Yoda. Send me an email at lostatseagaming365 at gmail.com as well as find me on social media on Instagram at Lost at Sea Gaming and on Twitter at Lost at Sea, G-A-M-I-N, the number one. Thank you for listening, and until the sea says otherwise, we'll keep sailing. <laughs>